another episode of Fountain City Sports Media, a podcast made by Kansas City fans for Kansas City fans. My name is Armando, aka Hot Take Mondo, and I am joined by Reese, aka Referees. And today we have another winning pod. That's right, the Chiefs in a nail biter against the Chargers. It was an amazing win. I'm still trying to process that win, Reese, from a few days ago. It was amazing. It was his. It was historic. We saw highlight plays all over the freaking place. But before we get to the Chiefs win, how's it going, Reese? Oh, you know, it's uh, the most busiest time of the year, especially the brewery. We just had like two events last week. We had a a pop-up to announce the return of Boulevardia, which happened on Tuesday. And then Sunday, we had our Holiday Bazaar. We had like a bunch of local KC artists and vendors come in and sell their wares in the beer hall, which was super cool, a lot of fun, a lot of work. And uh, yeah, we're just kind of getting ready to wind down now until uh, until Christmas. No more beer releases. And uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of how it's going on my end. What about you? Nice. Uh, yeah, no, school's done already for me. Just teaching a little bit, some outside school students. And then I have, I'm singing... Um, two services and conducting one service so that'll be that'll be fun it's my first like big conducting thing Uh, yeah conducting is not for the faint of heart you definitely you definitely have to be confident you def confidence may be more important than talent actually when it comes to being (laughs) a conductor (laughs) it's kind of like being a uh, a backup quarterback like you're definitely not talented but if you but if you have the the uh the uh, swag then you'll probably do well dude absolutely (laughs) so if you're conducting then does that mean you're coming for a friend of the podcast kyle negg's job oh yeah actually i think if i like if i like went into a lab lock the door and i like learned one opera score for like two weeks straight i'm talking like eight hours a day i'm just like in the score highlighting practicing conducting yep i bet i could give kyle a uh, a run for his money Ooh, i love this i feel like we have to have a conduct off now have it like <laughs> i'm trying to think of a famous <laughs> conductor who hasn't been canceled in the last five years uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh celebrity boxing but celebrity conducting for and we're only celebrities on the podcast <laughs> wait okay so which one of you is jake paul then <laughs> I, no none of us are jake paul well actually kyle would definitely be jake paul but i'm i'm frank gore <laughs> you're frank gore oh did you did you see Darren Williams like push him out of the ring to like knock him out? Uh, yeah, that was uh, a <laughs> was pretty impressive. I was getting some some real uh, Jack Dempsey vibes there, but it was. <laughs> did, did you watch the card or did you just like see the highlights? No, I just I I, I just watched the the uh, Twitter highlights. Yeah, I, I admittedly did the same thing. You know, it's it's kind of like I like those jokes from the the last Jake Paul pay per view where it was like. <laughs> I, I legally stream this and I still feel robbed. <laughs> well, I mean, from from the highlight that I saw, I didn't know that that a former UFC guy Woodley was washed. So all I saw was that he knocked out a former UFC champ, and I was like, "Wait a minute, is like is Jake Paul actually like decent now because he's been training for so many years?" But according to our uh, to our famous fan- fantasy football text chain we have some boxing aficionados in there that said otherwise oh yeah joel guzman's basically don rafael when it comes to boxing i i know my way around a ring you know I'm, I'm happy to say too you know former ring announcer uh pre-covid but it's like that's right it's like jake, jake paul i mean he can 
box. I mean, he's more than some guy that just watched some Tybo videos and lifted weights. Like, A, he's in great shape. B, he is actually throwing some combos and, like, he looks like he knows what he's doing. But, you know, I'm going to pull a Rocky Five here and be like, yo, Tommy Morrison, you got to fight an actual boxer until then. You're just like a phony. Quit ducking actual people. And I mean, you know, all this to say, who knows? Maybe he would, I mean, obviously, it knocked me on my butt if I, for whatever reason, got into a ring with him. But, you know, it's kind of like at this point, it, he's shown that he can beat guys that are at least moderately trained in striking the way UFC dudes are but it's like I'd like to see him fight at least an amateur boxer at this point you know someone who's been like doing this for 10 years plus yeah that I would actually see but I bet he wouldn't get as many ratings to like like no one wants to see him do like an actually competitive fight they love to see the whatever the like stars I bet in like five years when Floyd Mayweather is 51 53 he's he's gonna box Jake Paul I don't want to watch another Floyd Mayweather rematch. Oh, no, <laughs> but you, but you know, everybody would watch that. You know, people would pay 30 bucks to go to their local bar. That's showing it. I want to see Jake Paul fight. You know, speaking of Tommy Morrison, he's got two sons right now, both amateur boxers, both pretty uh, halfway decent. I would like to see Jake Paul fight either one of Tommy Morrison's kids. <laughs> I want to see Jake Paul fight Pat McAfee. Pat, oh, dude, no. No, dude, he would wreck Pat <laughs> McAfee. That'd be so bad. <laughs> oh, That'd be funny. You know what I think well, we need? If, go ahead. Uh, this, is, this is like the most gimmicky thing ever. I think we need tag team boxing, dude. Like, you know, there's tag team pro wrestling. What if you had tag team boxing, you know, like you're on the ropes getting your butt kicked and, you know, you you tag out and the guy comes in, you know, you have to kind of take his place and (laughs) boom. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, we've seen UFC. I'm sure we'll, I'm sure we'll see an evolution of that, you know, 20 years later too. So tag team boxing or tag team UFC could be the next thing. Who knows, ladies and gentlemen, but back to our original point. If you want to see Kyle and I go on a conducting off at some point, you can always donate on Patreon. Reese, tell us about social media and what we have in store or how they can find us on social media. That's right. You can find us on Instagram or Facebook at Fountain City SM. You can also find us on Patreon at patreon.com backslash fountain. Backslash FCSM. That's patreon.com backslash FCSM. There you can find exclusive interviews, outtakes, bonus episodes, a bunch of good content just waiting for you there. Go check it out. Patreon.com backslash FCSM. Thank you, Reese. Uh, Reese, what do you have planned for Christmas? Aren't you uh, traveling? Yeah, we're going to go back up to Iowa, see the family, uh, you know, because we didn't see them last Christmas. But this Christmas, you know, it's going to be it's going to be different. <laughs> I think my older sister will be there. My wife and I will be up there, uh, you know, going to see some friends while we're up there. You know, maybe bring up some beer from from Kansas City. I say staring at literally four cases of beer in my office in front of me. So, oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. Lots of beer to distribute. I'm, I'm, I'm a Santa Claus of beer. <laughs> Fun times will be had there. Excellent. Um, what am I? Oh, yeah. So I'm here. So I have to do a four o'clock, a six o'clock. And Logan and I are doing the midnight mass oh. on Christmas Eve. So that'll be wild. But the uh, the uh, Bishop of Colorado Springs is going to do that mass. So that'll be a good mass for the 
him to hear. Um, so yeah, so we're pretty busy all of Christmas Eve singing, uh, and then sat and then Saturday, yeah, Saturday Christmas, we're going to drive up to my in-laws to celebrate with them. And then I'll also see my brother-in-law and sister-in-law and my two nephews. One nephew is just born actually, uh, not, not too long ago. So it'll be the first time that we've seen him, which will be really nice. Uh, so yeah, it should be a, a great Christmas. We'll spend a few days there. Uh, and then, yeah. And then uh, next week we can talk about new year's. Um, Reese, guess what? What? So for those of you that don't know, when Reese, Kyle, and I started this podcast, Reese, what was the what was the number one thing that everyone was trying to get me to do on this podcast? They were saying, Armando, if there's one thing you need to get a blank so that this podcast can be better, uh, get Wi-Fi. Correct. What what type of Wi-Fi? We'll be more specific. A Wi-Fi blank I never got. Oh. Just to kind of spike Kyle. A Wi-Fi router? A Wi-Fi extender. Oh, extender. That's that's right. Dude. For for like almost two years, I never got one. But guess what came in the mail and what I'm using right now, Reese? Is that a Wi-Fi extender? Oh, my gosh. Show it to me. Well, I can't. It's in it's in the hallway. Oh, okay, never mind. We don't we don't take a field trip the hallway because because so I I have a two story condo and the Wi Fi router is on the bottom floor. So you have to put the extender in between where you are and then where the Wi Fi is on the bottom. So this is in like the middle hallway. Um, it seems to be working. Yeah, things are good. Yeah, I see you. I see you talking. Yeah, man. We we <laughs> on delay. Uh huh. This is real time. I just I, I just thought it. I just thought it was funny because um, Kyle, Kyle specifically, pretty much every week was like, Armando, get a Wi-Fi extender. What's your problem? And just to like kind of just piss him off, I, I didn't get a Wi-Fi extender for the longest time. And I totally forgot about it. And then I was like, huh, you know, why don't why don't we uh, splurge for one? Let's do it. So actually, it's been pretty nice. So now I got the Wi-Fi extender. I think editing will be much easier for us. And uh, here we are. Dude, absolutely. That's the best thing. Remember those dark, dark days of really found city sports media where you didn't have a Wi-Fi extender? I was sitting in a closet and Kyle was like, was he was he still in Houston? In the middle of the woods? Yeah, basically. <laughs> he was in like his like 120-year-old house in Houston, which I mean, cool. Oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah, he was in Houston for a little while, but he no, and he would go to different places. Like he was at his parents for a little That's while. That's right. Uh, <laughs> and then I think his parents like... <laughs> <laughs> what I, I, th- I think they had like a sink running for like an entire episode or, <laughs> or there was something where he was like right by this like like heater or this air conditioner that was just like the loudest thing ever <laughs> yeah so anyway so that uh so that's a quick update for me i just thought that would be funny to share especially those that have been listening since episode zero um that's something that just like pretty much every episode you, you you all would say something to me about my wi-fi and now we have wi-fi i'm moving on reese let's talk about fountain fantasy not that not that there's much to talk about for us but of course our buddies that listen to this podcast we will talk about the winner's bracket um so right now we have a a grueling match of karen rogers and team zang karen rogers with 73.9 points and team zang 72 point 
0.06 points. Both having one player left to play. Pretty narrow win for either of them, but it looks like projected-wise, Karen Rogers is going to smoke Mike, and I'm not sure why. Hold on, there's a really cheap ad on the... Uh, Sometimes ESPN just puts ads on for fun and doesn't let you see anything. I don't have that. Do you have Adblock Plus oh, uh, extension on your Chrome? Dude, I'm on Safari. Oh, dog, you got to get off Safari, man. That, that's <laughs> why everything's been bad this whole time, dude. Safari is like baby town frolic. It's terrible. Dude, I'm... I mean, I... I I also have Chrome, but I'm also not like casting through the safaris through my phone. Uh, well, okay, well, fine, but still, it's like, <laughs> dude, I, I, I'm an Apple apologist. I love Safari for some things. I do not love Safari for a lot of things. So, uh, all hail the Ram eater that is Google Chrome. <laughs> Especially for ESPN, you, you don't want to use Safari. No, I, I'm skipping everything right now, man. I'm like in leagues. Looking through scores, you can call me uh, Eric, or not Eric Barry, gosh dang it, uh, Matthew Barry. <laughs> Eric, Matthew Barry, who no one likes except for me. I love Matthew Barry. Um, anyways, back to, back to fantasy. So it looks like the ESPN app lied to me. Um, Karen Rogers, Sam, has has two people left to play while Mike only has one. Uh, looks like Jerry Judy, who was in his flex, got zero points. Uh, he had Alvin Kamara and Joe Mixon, both with a putrid four. 4.1 points and 6.5 points. Um, who else did he have? He had Jaguars defense. Oh, because they played uh, the Texans. But uh, yeah, not a great showing for him. Likewise, on the other side, looks like Karen Rodgers should easily win this one because he had Nick Chubb, 15.8 points. Devontae Adams, 13.4. Justin Jefferson, after the third, the third quarter, we're still going 10.9 points. Um, so he should win that pretty easily. But we have a two-week uh, playoff, so this won't be the first. I mean, so they won't automatically go to the championship. There's still one week after that. So that is the uh, three, two and three matchup. Then we have the one and four matchup. Our boy... Will Herbie fully loaded decided to uh, play a trick on us on the last week, which then put him into the fourth seed against Stone Cold Chief Austin. That mm. is just dominating right now. 103.32 points to 86.54 points. Um, although Herbie fully loaded still has three players to play on Tuesday, which is very bold of him to wait till Tuesday, because if any of these guys go on COVID protocol, he has zero backups, right? He would have to, he'd have to drop someone. Um, so we'll see what happens there. He is projected to have 120.4 points. Uh, to Stone Cold Chief Austin's 123 points. So he has to have a massive game from Antonio Gibson, Van Jefferson, and Daryl Henderson Jr. Oh. And Cooper Cup, who has been the best wide receiver in fantasy and the best wide receiver in the NFL, has to not have a good game uh, because he is playing on Stone Cold Chief Austin's team, who is just dominating. And even with Jamar Chase going 0.8 points and Cordero Patter Patterson going 3.3 points, I mean, he's still going to have 
123 points. And he's had Ryan Tannehill this whole time and has never changed it. He could have easily picked someone else. And Stone, and Stone Cold Chief Austin is just dominating with Ryan Tannehill, which is just a, a super flex. Yeah. Amazing. No, this is, this is an incredible team. I mean, this week, though, Travis Kelsey is really carrying that squad with the 36 points. Oh, because otherwise... 36.1. Good Lord. I mean, look at this. Uh, Ryan Tannehill's got under 10 points. Cordell Patterson with three. Jamar Chase with one. Uh, yeah, that's that's not good. You probably lose any other week that Travis Kelsey's not throw 36 points up there. But uh, I'll be interested to see if Herbie Fully Loaded can win this. I don't think that being down 17 with the players he has is going to be enough to overcome a 17-point deficit plus Cooper Cup. But... That's what these playoffs are for. <laughs> and then speaking about uh, chances not doing well, that's us, Reese. We are against Buffalo Mike right now. Although we have a two-week playoff, we are losing by 20 points already, 94.2 to 74.86. Even though Ezekiel Elliott had 14.7 points, Austin Eckler, obviously we all saw that game. He had 16.2 points. And we had a great showing from the Bucks, even though the Bucks lost shut out. They still put seven points, which is nice. Justin Tucker with six still is not doing well for us. I mean, T. Higgins, 3.3 points. They, they lost, or they still won. 15, 15 to 10 of the Broncos, the Bengals had. What a what a weird score. Anyway, uh, Chris Godwin out for the year. 7.9 points for us, though. That was great. Uh, Ch- Chubba Hubbard. Ch- Man, disappointing. Chubba Hubbard, 4.6 points. Ugh. And then I just, just, just for fun, I picked up Gabriel Davis, the wide receiver from the Buffalo Bills. Just picked him up just to see how he would do. Yeah, of course, I wasn't going to start him because I don't know who Gabriel Davis is. I just know he had like one good game. Happens to have 23 points yesterday. Of course. Two touchdowns with 85 yards receiving. Um, so we'll probably start him next week. I don't know. And then I, I kept saints D just because I didn't start them. Cause I, I was like, there's no way in hell saints D is going to score any points against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but they shut them out with a goose egg from Reese's favorite player, cam Jordan, 13 points for the saints D. Yeah, that was a uh, surprising who would have thought would have saints D and bucks D and would pick the wrong one. Not that the bucks did bad, but you know, it's like in my book, Anything over like 10 points is a great defensive day. So like 13 yeah, points you know, would be huge. I, I don't know. Our, our team just didn't show up uh, week one of the playoffs here. Taysom Hill only going for nine and a half. Ain't great. Uh, Godwin being out for the season now. I never saw him getting shut down. T. Higgins was interesting. Uh, it's too bad Pat Fryermuth had to play because I'm guessing Hawkinson's on COVID protocol. Is that why we didn't play him? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, he's not injured. Yeah. Uh, injured reserve. Wait, what happened to... Oh, no, he is. He has a hand injury. Oh, I didn't even know that. Uh, yeah. Well, that's too bad. Cause I thought we were looking pretty good going into the playoffs. But, I mean, you know, that's just... Them's the breaks, kids. Well, who does Gabriel Davis play next week? We we may have to start him for a, for a uh, 32nd Street miracle. They play former number one seed in the AFC... New England Patriots. <laughs> Everyone at one point was number one seed in the AFC this year. Literally every team. I think the Packers were the one seed in the AFC at one point. Even <laughs> Rogers had COVID so bad that his team just <laughs> transformed to the East side. Yeah. So we, we won't cancel <laughs> games, but we'll like totally let you switch divisions and conferences. Even if we have to. 
<laughs> whatever you want, Aaron, to like stay on the Packers, man. We'll do whatever you want. Although he's probably going to go to the Broncos now. I mean, like Teddy Bridgewater is officially done. Drew Locke sucks. Like I think, I think writing is on the wall, Reese. I think. I think Rodgers is going to the Broncos. I don't think... Why does everyone think Rodgers is going to go to the Broncos, dude? It's like, I don't think he wants to go to a division with Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert in it. Like, that's... He has a, if he wants to win more, he's going to go somewhere outside of that division. Aaron to the Broncos and then Russell Wilson to, to the Raiders, dude. <laughs> we just have, like, the deepest quarterback division of all time. I was going to say, it's like the exact opposite of, like, what the NFC East was while Tom Brady was there. <laughs> oh. Mark Sanchez. No, it's 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 gonna be the uh the uh super super liga that uh that uh Europe tried to do that one time and then I was like, Yeah, this is great. It's gonna be the <laughs> NFL Super Liga. Yeah, AFC West adds Alabama, LSU, Ohio State, and then they all join the SEC again. <laughs> All right, speaking about Super League, how about a super winner nice. by the Chiefs, Reese? 34 to 28. What a freaking game, Reese. I mean, that that game pumped me up. I mean, even if we would have lost that game, I still would have like just been in awe of the competitiveness of that game, like the grit, the toughness on both sides. But of course, the Chiefs pull out this win. The Chiefs are now the only 10-win team and the number one seed in the AFC, entering the final three weeks of the season. The Kansas City Chiefs are winners of a current NFL best seven wins in a row. Who would have seen that, Reese? Not Colin Cowherd, not Stephen A. Smith, not Skip Bayless, not all these national pundits that put the Chiefs away in the beginning of the season. But frankly, for those of you that listen to this podcast, know that we also put those Chiefs away. Maybe in week five, I was like, the Chiefs are done. And you know what? For good reason, for good reason, right? You and I would say I'm a pretty positive guy, but for those losses that we saw in the middle of the season where we saw Patrick Mahomes in the pocket, not sure what's going on. We saw all these anon, I still can't say anomaly, all these anomaly interceptions. I think it was pretty valid that we thought that the Chiefs were done. We're not going to make the playoffs. Now they are the first seed in the AFC. Holy moly, Reese. What an amazing time to be a Chiefs fan. According to DK Sportsbook, the Chiefs are now the Super Bowl favorites with the top odds of plus 450. So look at that. 10-win team, first seed, Super Bowl favorites after a fourth-quarter miracle, Reese. Patrick Mahomes, in the final 10 minutes of the game, goes 10 for 13, 197 yards with three touchdowns and zero interceptions. So, Reese, go f- go f- through the emotions for you when the Chargers score in the beginning of the fourth to then Mahomes making this miraculous comeback. Uh, when the Chargers went up eight, in the beginning of the fourth quarter, it felt to me, I'm like, uh, you know, the Chargers have a good enough offense and the running game is working today with all the players we have out that I'm not convinced we can score a touchdown, get a three and out, and then kick another field goal in the time it would take to do that. Especially I could see the Chargers, you know, getting the ball, like getting into field goal range, even eating five, six minutes off the clock. Uh, it's neither here nor there at this point. But, I mean, the team really batting down the hatches 
pinned their ears back and the offense lit it up for the next quarter and overtime and I was very impressed by that I know a lot of people are complaining be like oh well you know if Derwin James hadn't gotten injured it's like oh no 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 if ifs and nuts were candies and butts then every day would be Christmas <laughs> also look at look at the the a picture of that final play that Kelsey makes a touchdown I'm kind of getting ahead of myself there but yeah no Derwin James BS he was triple covered right in the front there was no way any other tight end or wide receiver could finagle what he did anyway continue right. well I'm just saying people are complaining like oh you know if Derwin James is in they, they, they probably would have won I'm like well you know what I bet you if we weren't missing our best defensive player at every level of the defense that's in starting star tackle Chris Jones Willie Gay Jr. at linebacker and Legereus Sneed at cornerback Sneed we really need a that running game isn't going as easy as it was I mean Austin Eckler is just fine in the middle and running where Chris Jones would have been and B there's no way the Chargers put up that many points against that defense I am unimpressed with this Chargers offense I think there's a lot of talent but I think they're wow I think they're very sloppy and underachieving and they have a lot of issues wow I wasn't going to go there yet, but I'll just go straight in. I thought Justin Herbert actually played great. I think that he... Um I actually saw flashes of Patrick Mahomes in Justin Herbert and the way that that Chargers offense rolls is very similar to a Chiefs offense other than having someone that can do the screenplay like Tyree Kill or McCole Hardman like like they they don't have the element of like throwing it you know three yards or throwing it on the plane of scrimmage and then someone getting yards after the catch that's what they don't have that the Chiefs have but I saw saw a lot of like scripted rollouts of Justin Herbert that looked very similar to scripted rollouts for Patrick Mahomes. And look, he's he, he's not like Justin Herbert is not the most accurate quarterback, but he can still make plays. And there were a few plays that he made where I was like, holy crap, like this, this guy is a good this. This guy's a pretty good quarterback. So I'm still impressed by a Justin Herbert B, of course, Austin Eckler. You're right. I think if if Chris Jones was there, Austin Eckler wouldn't have had a night that he had, but he's, he still looked really good. And then Mike Williams still don't have an answer for freaking Mike Williams. I think we'll talk about the cornerbacks later and kind of my panic meter from this game but Mike Williams still really good one-on-one against any of our cornerbacks because all of the charges wide receivers I'm talking Mike Williams of course I'm talking Keenan Allen I'm talking um, Jalen Guyton whatever that guy's name is they're all these tall skinny wide receivers that if they are in an island one-on-one even though our guys are pretty good like when you have the size and the length against our short cornerbacks, like there's only so much Traverius Ward can do at that point. So I still like the core that they have and what they did to us, but I will concede that, yeah, with, you know, with Legereus need with Chris Jones, it would have been a different score. I think Justin Herbert's a very good quarterback and he is better than I would like to have in the division quarterback. And I am frustrated that the Chargers went from Phillip Rivers to this guy seamlessly. Those are all very frustrating things. <laughs> uh, that being said, I do like your point that all the Chargers receivers, man, it, it really can't be said enough the fact that Herbert's got like three, maybe four targets that are like 6'4", 245 to throw to. It's like Keenan Allen's a yeah. huge target. Ridiculous. Mike Williams. Ridiculous. Who's that cornerback? There's Jared Cook. You know, it's like he's a big dude. And Austin Eckler. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're, they're tight end, yeah. Yeah, and Eckler's a great pass catching back. You know, it's like I think this game more than anything showed the fact that I don't know how we're going to do it. 
But this offseason, we really need wide receiver help. I mean, good good gracious. Someone made the analogy once where it's, let's say it's third and six, and you need someone to make a play. You can count on Kelsey. You can count on Tyreek. Who can you count on after that that you're like, oh, I, I could see them making a third and six versus Justin Herbert, any of those dudes we listed. It's like, oh, yeah, Eckler, Williams, Cook, like all those. Guyton, Allen. Yeah, all those dudes. Was like, If you told me one of them had to make a third and six play, I would believe it. I mean, love him to death. Guys like Pringle, it's like, dude, he's a wide receiver three at best, probably a wide receiver four. He's, you know, he's an auxiliary piece. We don't, we don't have a Randall Cobb, you know. We don't have anybody outside of our two good offensive weapons that I trust on a third and six. And this game really showed it for a big part until the fourth quarter. Yeah, I mean, Josh, Josh Gordon has has proven that he is not the wide receiver two that we need. He's kind of this Terrell Suggs. He's this, you know, uh, Le'Veon Bell type player that we get to, to add a spark, but he is not a foundational element. You're right. We, I would rather us take, uh, someone in the third or fourth round that maybe has potential, but doesn't have the talent yet but has the like prototype body. I think if I'm Brett Veach, I'm just looking body type, right? I'm looking at a Josh Gordon type that maybe doesn't have it, which is fine, right? Because we can mold this player and wait a year or two because we still have, you know, Kelsey Hill, all these guys. So I'm willing to punt on someone that may have the talent, but doesn't have the physicality over someone that like just looks the part right and maybe we see spurts of them in week you know five week 10 of their um of their college of their college years that is more important to me i think we're gonna be low enough in the first round i don't even know what our second round pick looks like this year but i'm assuming the people that we would want to be that second you know receiver are probably going to be taken by then and i don't think we want to take a wide receiver at the first pick um, so that is my strategy, but that's down the road. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I, I think I've heard it's a pretty deep wide receiver class. So even if we can't have, you know, like our pick of the litter, so to say, we can still get someone who could probably step up and be a certified wide receiver too in year one, which is very, very important, I think, heading into next year. Absolutely. I, I, I agree with you there. But what's good, Reese, is that we have, dare I say, the greatest tight end of all time in Travis Kelsey. That play at the end of the game, talking about what you had talked about, where people are like, well, when Derwin James was off the field, Travis Kelsey had three touchdowns. When Derwin James was on the field, he had zero. Go back to that play. He had three people on him, then dodges all three, then has another guy come from his right side another guy on the top side of his left side and is still able to make the touchdown a 34 yard pass to end the game i actually think he beat six defenders i I tried to count there was about six defenders around him travis kelsey has reached a thousand receiving yards for the sixth consecutive season for those of you that don't follow football that's a big freaking deal to put that in perspective no other tight end has more than three consecutive 1,000 yard receiving seasons. In fact, no other tight end has ever had more than four seasons in their entire career, not non-consecutive, 
with a thousand receiving yards and Travis Kelsey's done it six years in a row. Reese, I don't want to have a five hour podcast and we've talked about this before, but can we say now that Kelsey is the greatest tight end of all time? I think Chiefs fans can make that argument. I still think Kelsey has a little bit more to prove on the field and probably another ring to get before the national pundits will start saying it. Because, I mean, heck, even this year they're still saying, you know, that Kittle is better. Although, I'm not going to take away from what Kittle's been yeah, doing the last I was I was going to say that. What the hell? Well, I, I mean, I can understand it because Kelsey's been, I, I say this with a huge grain of salt, fairly pedestrian for about three or four weeks, you know, not not bringing in a game over. I think for Kelsey's standards. Yeah, by Kelsey's sure. standards. But again, even the fact that coming into this game, he was at 880 yards, and they were saying he was having a bad year. It's like, do you know how many times Tony Gonzalez made 880 yards? It's like, not that many, all things considered. Uh, you know, I love Kelsey. I think we can now say Kelsey was better than Tony G. Uh, I think wow. he still has a few things to prove before we can anoint him the GOAT tight end. Because a lot of people are still saying that about Gronk even right now. And I'm like, guys... Again, you cannot base a guy's entire career off of like his potential. Otherwise, Bo Jackson is the greatest running back of all time. And it's not. Right. Sure. He's one of the most dominant for periods of times, but he's not the greatest running back of all time. Or or, or Steve Young is the greatest quarterback. Oh, time. yeah. I mean, the, the, the list goes on. Is Derrick Rose the greatest point guard of all time in the NBA because he won Rookie of the Year? <laughs> But boy, he would have been good. No, dude, he would have, dude I, I think Derrick Rose is better. Derrick Rose is the greatest bull of all time. You know, just, just from that stretch of those, that year and a half, he's the greatest bull of all time. <laughs> just, just that one game, dude. He was, he was amazing for that one game. Do you hear us? Just listen to yourselves when you say this, people. You know, it's like, come on, <laughs> come on. Yeah, no. I look, I mean, I. I, I think it's stupid that people still don't say that Tyreek Hill is the greatest player that is currently playing and that it, we still have this, you know, Kelsey. I, I know Mark Andrews is playing really well as well, um, but still, Kelsey has the talent. And it, it's things like this that we see from Kelsey and not from Kittle and from Mark Andrews. We see the will to make a touchdown, the will to, f- like, I know that we cannot quantitate will, but if we could and some scientists figured a way that we can like statistically quantify it, Kelsey is way ahead of everyone else. Like we always see Kelsey in big time situations finding a way. There is no way any other tight end and dare I say any other wide receiver given what had happened in overtime where they are in the middle of the field with three defenders. I don't care who it is. Tyreek Hill, DeAndre Hopkins, Calvin Johnson, I mean, Jerry Rice. If they're put in that situation, I don't know if they can do what Travis Kelsey just did. Like, the, it was it was that amazing what we saw on Thursday night. I think it's worth noting, too, that some of those other great tight ends that we mentioned, you know, particularly this year, guys like Kittle, guys like Andrews, guys like Waller, the one thing they all have in common that Kelsey doesn't is that, like, they're their team's number one option, basically. Like the, the, every play is basically spam Kittle, spam Waller, spam Andrews. Right, Waller. Kelsey, yeah. on the other hand, is very much like a third down safety valve that just makes big plays happen. Yes, yeah, so, you know there are games where he winds up with ten plus catches, and you're going to do that when the other teams can't stop him. But you know, it's not like every other play is a pass in Kelsey's direction. That's just not the case. 
Yeah, which which makes it even more amazing that he he only gets a third of that pizza pie, but he's still making the best pizza in the NFL, which is which it's it's absolutely amazing. Shout out to Travis Kelsey. We're so lucky to have him. A couple more shouts before we go to the beer review, Reese. Tyreek Hill, still the greatest. Still, there's nothing that you can do to Tyreek Hill. There was that one play that I sent on our text chain. Uh, I think it was the overtime catch that he had where like his his route running is so impeccable and his route running is something that we don't talk about very often. Right. We, we, we talk about his speed, but we don't talk about that. He actually runs his routes amazingly. And dare I say some of the best because of his speed, of course, but he just has this, you know, he he has this great IQ that when he sees Patrick Mahomes rolling or the play breaks up and he does his route and does it perfectly, he can still find space somewhere. So uh, Tyreek Hill, 12 catches for 148 yards with a touchdown. Uh, and of course, that touchdown sends us into overtime. Another shot I want to do, and Reese, you can talk about both of them if you want. Michael Burton. I talked about him in the very beginning of the year when 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 we had signed him and I told people to not sleep on Michael Burton because he was the blocker for Alvin Kamara in the Saints uh, in the Saints offense. But what we saw yesterday was actually great and I hope we see more of that where he just bulldoze through um, on the goal line to get his first touchdown of the season. I think we're going to see more. I hope we see more burden. And I think we're, uh, I'm, I'm calling it right now. Hot take Mondo. We're going to see special like secret plays that the chiefs do. We're going to see secret plays for Burton in the playoffs. Yeah. Just wait and see. Good shout outs for both those players. You know, Tyreek here really coming up big this game. I think he had 140 yards receiving. He's in that ballpark. But, you know, one thing I hear people ratting on uh, Tyreek this year is like, oh, we haven't seen the big home run ball we're used to seeing from Tyreek. Yeah, you know what that's turned into? You know the amount of defensive pass interference and holding calls he's drawn this year? And, like, every time they go back to it, like, they show, like, Tyreek's got him beat. The guy just, like, pulls him to keep him from getting there. Yeah. Like, no, I, I honestly have not seen that until this year. And it would not shock me if coaches like, yo, if Tyreek's blown by in single coverage, just grab him. You know, it's, I mean, it saves yep. the touchdown, costs some big penalty yards, but he's had at least three of those in the last two weeks. So that's kind of where the home run ball went. Also, I do appreciate the shout out. I love myself a good fullback. You know, being an Iowa Hawkeye faithful, we've had a, uh, a number of great fullbacks in our day, including this year's Potom Bomb, who's got the uh, he's got the Mike Allstott like what do you call that the the jet seat thing you put behind your your neck pad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he just looks like a fullback. Mike Allstott, nice shout out. Yeah, dude, love me Mike Allstott. But no, uh, Burton is really good, and it really psyched me up to see him. You know, like doing the the Chris Berman like bumbling and stumbling, you know, for 15 yards and all that, and scoring a touchdown. I think he's got a place in the offense and i think we do need to utilize him a bit more he's got pretty good hands he got a decent size frame and uh, he's not the slowest fullback i've ever seen absolutely so we got a special player in michael burton and guess what reese i have a special beer to review on this podcast shall we we shall time of the podcast that's right it is this week in craft beer the segment of the show where we talk about what's going on this week in craft beer and we also review a delicious craft beer for our listening audience now this week armando has the story for what's going on in craft beer so mr Contreras, the floor is yours what if i told you there was a beer list 
that you wouldn't like, Reese. Is it like all about butterfly beers? <laughs> yeah. Uh, top 10 cities to find butterfly beers. One, Indianola, Iowa. Two, Des Moines, Iowa. Three, Decorah, Iowa. Four. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, no, there are a lot of butterflies in Iowa, though. I mean, there really are. But yeah, <laughs> check them out. We got, we got monarchs. We got viceroys. We got painted ladies. Yeah, we got all of them. Wow, look at you. Look at you and your, uh, what, what is it called when you study insects? Uh, a Lepidopterus is a butterfly studier. <laughs> is that, how do you know that? I just do. That's one of my <laughs> dumb random facts of trivia. <laughs> oh, what? A Lepidopterist? Lepidopterist. What the heck? Look it up, people at home. It's real. You know what? Reese, do you do you do you have one of those things where like people have a mind palace brain where you can like you know where everything is in your brain, you can find it? Keep keep stupid facts just like categorized like SpongeBob when he's like looking for his name in all the file cabinets. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. No. Funny uh funny butterfly story actually. So uh a friend of the podcast, Michael Brandenburg. Did you ever sing with Michael Brandenburg back when he was still gigging? Yeah, yeah, Brandon, uh, the guy at UMKC, right? Or no, 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 no. Michael Brandenburg was this uh, awesome tenor who like won the London, the Met Comp, and all that stuff. Oh, anyway, nope, never mind. Nope. So I was disc golfing one day. I took a photo of a butterfly that landed on my disc, and I said, uh, I just posted a photo, and I can't remember what, but like he just commented and said the butterfly type. And I was like, hey, guys, I found the Lepidopterist. And he goes, yes, you did. <laughs> I'm like, no way. So it turns out, and like on top of being like a stonky, just killer singer, he also had like a microbiology degree from Ball State. Fun fact, friend of the podcast, Noah Metzger, actually went to Ball State with Michael Brandenburg for a year or two. Wow. So all this to say, next time I went disc golfing, I took another shot of a butterfly I saw. And I'm like, let's see if we can stump the Schwab. And he goes, it was, he was like, that's a, uh, like a Buckeye something butterfly. I'm like, this is incredible. I love that I can just post photos and he'll tell me what it is. So that is actually kind of amazing. We should have him on and have him uh, do a reaction to the Indianola butterfly beer. Oh my goodness. Oh, be so bad. Maybe he can tell us how a butterfly essence turns into yeast. But don't worry, ladies and gentlemen, we won't talk about that here. Um, I have another just okay. So I, I looked on like, you know, searching for our this week in craft beer to find a list because I know Reese loves his beer lists. Yep. Well, I thought this list would be a good one for us, Reese, but um, I don't know about that. I'll press it with this list comes from smartasset.com oh, gosh you know what happens when you take the word and when they check the t out of smart asset and you replace it with an s you know what that gets <laughs> yes i do i do all right very <laughs> so smartasset.com and this was one of the first things that popped up on google so this i didn't like you know hunt for this article this article's begin a lot of buzz so i mean according to google mm -hmm. so this is the best cities for beer drinkers oh, in 2021 oh gosh before we talk about why you wouldn't like it reese why don't you name try to name the first just try to name the, the very first one on the list, and I'll give you five guesses, and I bet that you wouldn't get it. Oh, my gosh. So you, you said I wouldn't yep. get it? Yeah, you you will not. I Yeah, I guarantee, as long as you didn't click on the link, you will not get the first one on this list. I'll give you five guesses. Okay, can, can I use one guess to get rid of the ones that I think would be like the obvious ones? That counts as one guess, though, right? Yeah, so I'm saying, like, so if it's some, so if you're saying I would, like, it's not something I would think, so you're saying I can rule out 
Boulder, San Francisco, Los Angeles, Portland, Oregon, and Denver, right? Like, they're all gone. <laughs> Wait, that's cheating because then that's 10 guesses. That's not 10 guesses. But no, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. I think even if even if I gave you those, yes, you still wouldn't get it correct. Okay. None of those that you just said are on the list or are they're on the list, but not number one. So I'm going to guess as a wild card, number one is Portland, Maine. Incorrect. Dang. Uh, okay. Uh Number two, Asheville, North Carolina. Incorrect. Dang. Asheville's uh, up there. Okay. Uh, do they say Austin? Uh, incorrect, but it's up there. Before I let you guess two more, I'll read kind of what they are ranking it on and why it's strange. Oh, okay. Gosh. So I'll leave the city name out and I'll show you the paragraph. With 28 total breweries, <laughs> blank ranks 15 for this all important metric and 27th for breweries per capita or and the capita is 100,000 residents so they have nine breweries per 100,000 residents blank also has the 23rd most bars for every 100,000 residents with 29.1 a pint of beer in blank will cost you four dollars on average tied for the 100th cheapest. Meanwhile, breweries in blank feature an average of 68.5 beers oh, in their man. city. So did you say the breweries average 65 beers per brewery? No, no, like 68.5 beers are featured in this city. <laughs> I don't know what that means. You're going to have to ask smartasset.com. Okay, uh, I'm going to take a stab here. You had me wondering until the last the last statistic. It's not Kansas City, is it? It's not Kansas City. Okay, because like the number of breweries and the breweries... It's not in Colorado Center, right? either. Uh, oh, goodness. So I get like one more guess? Yeah, oh, well, yeah, I guess you have two guesses, and I will uh, let you cheat on the last one. But yeah, how about, how about one more? Have I heard of this city? Yes, it is a, okay. it is a famous city, but not famous for beer at all. <laughs> Is it like Phoenix? It's not Phoenix. Okay. Uh, it is relevant to next weekend's game. Cincinnati? No, we no, we oh, don't play the Bengals. Oh, uh, Pittsburgh? Number one city for beer drinkers, according to smartasset.com, is Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I, I think that may have given me a nosebleed. No? Okay, good. Um, no. Oh, my gosh. Are you kidding me? I couldn't name you a Pittsburgh brewery. I, I couldn't name a single one in Pittsburgh. I, I don't. Okay. What what I'm thinking this list is based off is like the cost of beer. So thinking beer drinkers as like we're alcoholics and we're just spending a ton of money on beer. Okay. Okay. Uh, wow. That's so dumb. That's yeah. so dumb. But but what's what's funny is most of the list is like you you, you kind of get it. So you said Portland, Maine was your first guess, I think. Yeah. Portland, Maine's actually 10th on the list. So Okay. Okay. So yeah, Portland, Maine, let's see. Uh per 100,000 residents, they have 20 total. So I think it's it's like a breweries per capita is kind of what they're looking at and then cheapness of beer is also what they're looking at. Um, and I think they're looking at variety as well. So it's not necessarily craft beer or things that are popular, but it's like how accessible are breweries in the city that you live in. So number one, Pittsburgh. Uh, number two, Bend, Oregon. Okay. Yeah. Be no, Bend is huge. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Ben has some. Yeah. Uh, ben is where uh, Deschutes Brewery is at. Um, so that's... Yep. That's pretty good. Uh, number three is actually kind of, um, well, I guess it kind of makes sense. Milwaukee. 
Eh, Featuring I, Miller, I guess. I don't know. I was going to say, I don't like the... Dude, I need someone to show me the, the, the gumption and the credence behind Milwaukee always being ranked so high. Because like I know they have Miller Coors, but like outside of like a bunch of, pardon my French, like piss water beer, it's like... I, I don't know a whole bunch of like great Milwaukee beer, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I think, yeah, I think it's just accessibility as opposed to graft is what this list looks like. Then why is um, St. Louis up there? <laughs> St. Louis got the biggest <laughs> brewery in the country plus a bunch of good craft beer. Anyway, continue. Oh, don't worry. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to get to Missouri, but before I get to Missouri, I will talk about the like craft beer scene places that actually are high on this list. You talked about Asheville, North Carolina. Asheville is fifth. Uh, my my neck of the woods fort collins is sixth uh they say fort collins only has 23 breweries which i don't know if that's true i think they're because there's also some other like suburbs of color or fort collins that are on this list so Mm -hmm. i say 23 uh or 23 breweries in total with an average price of four dollars and fifty cents per beer which is not true beer is way more expensive than that here trust (laughs) me uh (laughs) another ones we talked about austin is seventh portland oregon is ninth denver is 12th missoula montana is 13th Ooh, with 10 breweries okay can you guess so this is 50 let's guess where st louis is and let's guess where kansas city is Oh goodness! If this list is as crap as it sounds, I mean, yeah, St. Louis is probably like twenty-four, and Kansas City is probably like forty-seven. Okay, twenty and forty-seven. All right. How about not ranked? Wait, neither one. Unranked out of fifty states and if sorry, fifty cities in America. Hold on, Kansas City and St. Louis are not on this list. The only thing nearby, Lawrence, Kansas, is ranked. 33rd with six breweries oh my gosh this is the absolute worst (laughs) beer list i think i've ever seen hold on i'm pulling this up yeah pull it up okay hold on hold on hold on hold on hold on so we have reno nevada syracuse (laughs) new york both in the top 20 lincoln nebraska ohio akron Omaha's on here? Dude, just because they got Zipline doesn't mean that it's like any... Dude, there's like five breweries in Kansas City as good as Zipline. Fort Wayne, Indiana. Oh my gosh. Appleton, Wisconsin. Bloomington? This is... No, this is the most fake news. I, I'm considering hitting the, the dump button on this episode just because we went through this content. St. Louis, Kansas City are unranked. That's... That's terrible. That is terrible. Average number of beers per brewery. This this can't be right. It says average number of beers per brewery. Data comes from ratebeer.com and pulled in November 2021. That doesn't answer anything. It also doesn't answer how the city of Cincinnati has 128.4 average number of beers per brewery. Gosh. Am I missing something? Wait, yeah, wait. That doesn't make any sense. Average number of beers per brewery. Does that mean like if they, let's say there's like five breweries and they all have 20 beers and you add them all up. So that's a hundred beers across five breweries. That means there's 20 beers per brewery. Is that, is that, is that what they're saying? But even then I can't just, wow. No, bad. I'm mad now. I'm I'm mad. I, I am heated. This is a terrible list. We're going to get so many clicks. Oh, how is Colorado smartacid.com? This is gosh dang. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 
Colorado Springs, where I live, is 41, and and I must say that there's 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 it's not a big craft beer scene down here, unfortunately. But if they're on the list, then some something's something's up. The average price of a pint in Chicago is five bucks. Where are they getting this? <laughs> that is not the case. Ugh, whatever. Okay, I'm done with this. I, I'm I'm past it. I'm emotionally past it. Armando. <laughs> It is now your week to do a beer review for us. So what beer do you have waiting on that table for you today? Okay, Reese. So um, as I told you, but not the podcast, I was supposed to go to Arizona last week for an audition. Um, but the wind was so bad here. We had some crazy windstorms that planes couldn't even land like in the airport because the wind was so bad. Gross. And they had to be di- diverted like to another state. Like they're literally like in the airport, but they could not land. So they had to go to another state that didn't have any wind. So it was that bad. I had to cancel my audition, unfortunately. Um, but the reason why I bring this up was I was going to bring my dad this beer because I've only seen it sold here and in California. And um, I was going to give it to my dad, but he was like, oh, you know, I don't know when you're going to come back. I was like, neither do I. I was like, guess I got to open it up on my own and have it. So here it is, Reese. I'm going to review Pliny the Elder by Russian river brewing company which is one of the best beers in america and some of the hardest beers to get lo and behold i'm not even talking to the to the guy that i always talk to at my liquor store i went to another just random liquor store by my house who then said that russian river brewery so for those you don't know that's in california closer to san francisco i forget what the actual city is of russian river i'll look it up later they have joined up with a Colorado um, distributor. Um, so now they are selling Pliny the Elder here and also Blind Pig and some other um, favorites of Russian River. They're selling them here in, in Colorado because they got a friend that they, I guess, they give it to. Uh, it's in Windsor, California is where Russian River's at. So, yeah, this beer, uh, for those of you that don't know about Pliny the Elder, uh, extremely rare beer. Um, according to BeerAdvocate.com, it's ranked third. Um, out of every double IPA in America, it's also ranked 14th of best beers in the world, according to Beer Advocate. So it's yeah. going to be a fun one. I was going to say Pliny's in that heady topper category as far as beer enthusiasts go in terms of like how coveted and how good it is. So that's really exciting to get your hands on a bottle of that. Totally. Have you had Pliny or have you seen Pliny in Kansas uh, City? Ba, 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 ba. You know, I think i'll have to consult joel guzman friend of the podcast on this but i think for my birthday last year he cracked a bottle of pliny but i can't remember if it was pliny or if it was a variation of it i'm pretty sure it was a russian river one. oh they did a yeah they do have like pliny the younger and they also have like double hop pliny i think the it was a variation i don't think i've had og pliny oh uh, well next well yeah they actually they actually sell them here so i'll next time i see you, i'll bring some for you oh it's exciting exciting well, for those of you playing at home, we do our beer reviews a little differently here. We rate on five categories, those being aroma, appearance, flavor, mouthfeel, and aftertaste. And for each of those categories, we give it a 1 to 10 aggregate score. So, Armando, I see you pouring that into a glass. First category is aroma. What are you getting on that Pliny the Elder Double IPA? Oh, boy. Yeah, it's... Very, very, very hoppy. Very, very dank. Very, very dry. Very, very bitter. Um, not a lot of... So this is like a traditional West Coast IPA, but it is a double IPA. 
Um, and I'll talk about appearance right now. Uh, but there is no hints of any fruit, no hints of, you know, any floralness to me. I, maybe some people might, but I mean, it is just a hoppy, bitter bomb on your nose. Um, of course, very true to the style being a double West coast. Um, and of course, one of the best, so I must pay its respects a 9.7, not, not a 10, not a 10 and because of personal preference, maybe because you all know, I love my floor, my floridity, my florality. Yep. 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 <laughs> but it's just, it's all bitter, all bitter. Wow. A casual 9.7 out of the gate. All right. So category number two, then appearance. What does that beer look like? What's its color? What's the head retention like? What we got? head retention is amazing the carbonation is still going from the bottom of the glass to the top Mm. to create more head which is very rare on a ipa you'll see it in a pilsner you'll see it in like a hoppy lager Uh, but something like this you'd rarely see that in a double ipa the cleanliness of this beer is out of this world i've never seen a double ipa this clear i mean this looks pilsner clear this looks um you know something incredibly clean uh, i yeah again i don't think i can name one double ipa west coast east coast any blend that is this clear uh with the amount of carb with the amount of head 10.0 baby dang 10.0 i mean that is a very beautiful looking beer especially for an ipa that looks yeah. crisp and delicious yeah and you know what it's only I mean, it's not only eight percent it's eight percent so for it to be this clear this you know high in abv pretty crazy yeah that's that's pretty exciting so now the moment of truth category three flavor what does that double ipa taste like first off do you know what hops are in the double ipa Oh, good question. Um, I'll make you a deal. You sip. I'll do some research. Okay, great. Yeah. I, I don't know if, if I would have to guess. I've had this before. Um, before I taste it, I would say Cascade has to be one of them. Has to be like traditional hops. Nothing crazy, I don't think. Okay. Um, okay. Chinook, maybe. Okay. Now I'll drink. Oh, man. Yeah. So what makes this beer incredible is that you get the hoppy bitterness of the beer, right, that we smelled on our nose. But when you taste it, you still get the hoppy bitterness. But then you get this smoothness and the smoothness doesn't come from a sweetness. It doesn't come from a fruit note that you might get like a pineapple or a mango that you might get on a on a hazy I really can't describe where what the smoothness is coming from. I mean, maybe there's a hint of sweetness, but the fact that you can get that smoothness and not associate associate it with like a sugar content or, you know, something that is like a fruity beer or a fruity fruit, like a pineapple or a mango, and that it's just like indistinguishable is um, or sorry, unidentifiable is amazing i don't think i've ever had anything like it you know that you can have the best of both worlds but i also can't really figure out where the smoothest is coming from great how about a um again you know flavor 10 has to be like the best flavor and again personal preference i love me a sweet beer so i'm not going to give it a 10 but i'll give it a 9.8 wow 9.8 that's still a very high score uh so i looked up the hot bill here and at least according to Brewer's Friend, which I can't tell if this is like a home brewer's version of the beer, 
But I'm seeing uh, Columbus, Simcoe, and Centennial being the three hops used in the hop bill. I was gonna, yeah, Centennial and Simcoe. I was gonna say like tr- traditional hops. Those are very, very featured. Um, I'm not familiar. What did you say the other two were? Uh, Columbus, Centennial, and Simcoe. Okay, Columbus. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know if I could name you beer with Columbus hop, and I've had Simcoe and Centennial quite a bit. You know, those are really old school west coast yeah i'm looking uh let's see on their website amarillo is also one of the hops that i see on here so amarillo centennial simcoe are like the um just your like standard profile i i bet the ratio that they do it is just uncanny right We, we, we can't really tap into what the ratio of their hops are yeah i'm seeing ctz which might be the hop that you were referring to the columbus hop yeah, it's crazy. I mean, yes, there is some floralness to it, but it's really not prominent at all. So I can't put my thumb on that sweetness, which is crazy. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I mean, one of one of the coolest flavor profiles you'll ever have for sure. Super cool. All right, then category four, mouthfeel. This beer looks highly carbonated, looks very clean, but what does it say to your tongue? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mouth feels great. I mean, very light for eight percent. You you won't find something like it. Eight um, percent, super light, super carby, super crispy, right? Just like a pilsner. Um, for again, for the style, it is it is unbeknownst to me how they do it. Um, crazy. 10.0 again. Wow, a very high mouthfeel quality. That's very rare. I think we talked about anything over an eight mouthfeel is usually a pretty high score here. So the fact that it's a ten, yeah, yeah, I'm 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 pretty particular with mouthfeel. You're right, and and something this bitter I normally don't like, but um, I don't know. It's just it's great. Very impressive. Got to pay its respects. Very impressive. All right, category number five. Then, last but not least, is aftertaste. How does that beer taste after a few breaths? Does it taste similar to how it went going down, or is it a different beer altogether? Yeah, aftertaste is primarily hoppy, just like when you sip it. Um, although when you swallow it, it, it is pretty smooth. Um, you don't get as much as that citrus sweetness that I kind of am identifying now on flavor. You don't get it on the back end. You do get that prominent hoppiness. In fact, I can still feel, I mean, just on the back of my mouth, I feel that coat of bitterness on the, on the back of my tongue still, right? And I'll probably have that all night um so incredibly dank beer like this is definitely one of the dankest beers that you can have but with some dank beers it's just too dank and too bitter that there is no smoothness to it so the blend of the two is is really awesome really awesome how about a 9.5 for aftertaste wow the lowest score so far the beer is falling off at a 9.5 sorry here (laughs) all right so our sixth and secret category bdq which stands for but dad gum quimp got me a pliny the elder big stonks drinkability quotient armando the floor is yours how does this beer make you feel Oh man, you know what, Reese? Like the fact that it's still, you know, incredibly rare to get. It's not as rare as, as it used to be. You know, five, six years ago. Now it's it's starting to make its ways all over the place. Um, I would assume in the next five or six years, you're going to see plenty of the elder being a, a staple, as we're seeing Russian River kind of going to different distribution places. It's going to be readily available. It'll be interesting to see 
this is kind of off topic, but oh well. It'll be interesting to see something as rare as this be mass produced to being national distro and how it affects the flavor if if it does at all. Um, but for now, this is still a very you know niche beer. Uh, it's still amazing. If anyone can get their hands on it, it's definitely an experience that you want to have. So BDQ, this beer is super badass still. It's super amazing. I actually found it on draft at a pizza place here as well. I don't know who the, like it, he must be, wh- or it could be a she too or anybody. Um, whoever the person is that is doing the distribution, um, has to be friends with the brewer. Like, I don't know how we get it on draft here. It's ridiculous. So anyway, BDQ 10. Wow. A 10 BDQ. Well, Armando with all of these high nines and tens, I have to ask, does this take the place of Hetty Topper on Mount Crushmore? Before I answer that, Hetty Topper is a double or a single? Hetty Topper is a double, I believe. Okay. Drum roll. Hetty Topper is still better. Hetty Topper still better? Yep. All right. I'm still putting Hetty. I'm still putting Hetty above Pliny. Um, I, but look, ladies and gentlemen, we are talking Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, like type stuff right now. Like, yes, one may be better than the other, but these are still some of the greatest, you know, p- some of the greatest players you have a ever see just like some these are some of the greatest beers you'll ever taste so mount crushmore is extremely exclusive right oh yeah so for those of you that uh, this isn't on mount crushmore like like look mount crushmore you have to be vetted by us like this has to be vetted a thousand times over i'd be interested to see what your profile is on this reese because i know you um appreciate hoppier beers maybe more than i do i like a little bit sweeter on the taste but you i know appreciate the hop more just as we've talked about beer. Um, so I'd be interested to see what you think about this and how it matches up with Hetty Topper. Uh, I'll have to bring it to you, Reese, because, man, it's, it, it's still a good beer, right? We're, we're, we're still talking LeBron James MJ here. Dude, can't wait. One day I'll get my hands in the sweet, sweet bottle of Pliny the Elder, and we can... Uh... And <laughs> Absolutely, dude. And with that, let's talk about the LeBron James, the Michael Jordan, the Kobe Bryant of the Kansas City Chiefs defense. That's right, Nick Bolton. gentlemen we are back we just had a lovely beer plenty the elder make sure if you're in kansas city you try to find it uh, you can always find on untapped if you uh just type in playing the elder you might be able to see if it's there i don't know but check it out kansas city fans it would be great um you know who we checked out this weekend that's right nick bolton Nick Bolton Reese was unbelievable, at least in my eye test. So things that we saw this week, Reese, and then I'm going to get your reaction that maybe we haven't seen in previous weeks. So Nick Bolton racks up 14 tackles, three passes defended, including one tip pass that ended up in the interception. Nick Bolton played 99% of the snaps because Willie Gay was gone, but that even with Willie Gay being gone, I don't think anyone could have predicted that Nick Bolton was going to play 99% of the snaps on a Thursday night against the Chargers. Uh, not, not only that, like we said, he broke up three passes when he was in the linebacker spot. 
There's a lot of things that we saw from him that we hadn't seen before as well. Nick Bolton being left in space and actually being incredibly smart with his reactions, right? He was able to find people at the goal line. There was a couple stops that he made at the goal line. We saw towards the end of the game where he was found in space. I forgot who who caught the ball. I think it was Mike Williams, and he just immediately came to the defender. Um, just a lot of great things that we're seeing from him. Someone that I think can take over Anthony Hitchens' role in the future uh, maybe not being the Mike linebacker but but being the linebacker that's going to call the shots right we're seeing just these incredible IQ from Bolton and from what was a shaky defensive play for us he stood out and made some big plays what is your reaction to Nick Bolton I'm glad you brought up that he's a smart player because I mean that really is a whole bunch of it he's probably a little average to under average in terms of athleticism a linebacker but he chooses his directions well in regards to how he's going to pursue the ball carrier. He has an intuition for where the quarterback's going to throw the ball. You know, he's really good at sniffing out those RPOs. And I really like that he's a hitter. He's not afraid to go up there and lay the lumber on some people. You know, and we're playing in a day and age where it's too easy just to arm tackle or like just hit a guy. It's like, no, hit him, tackle him, bring him down. Nick Bolton's really good at that. We've seen him improve since the early weeks where it's like, yeah, this guy could be good next year to, wow, this guy's pretty good right now. Not going to lie. So with Nick Bolton and Willie Gay playing incredibly well, like way above where we thought they were going to be at least, where do you see Anthony Hitchens falling next year? Because he is a free agent. I know we've talked about this before, Reese. How many years left do we have Hitchens and when do we see Nick Bolton and Gay being solidified as the starters uh, i would not be surprised if we cut anthony hitchens in the off season because i think we can save a bunch on his contract if we do that uh primarily nick bolton was brought in to be the replacement uh, mike linebacker this year was really seen as a year of kind of learning from hitchens and then you know next year when we can dump Kit, uh, hitchens without losing a lot of cap space that's when we're going to do it the question is then is kind of who replaces mike bolton then are we going to try and find someone in free agency to step in who's a serviceable linebacker for us we're going to go back to the draft and maybe try and find another second or third round guy uh but all this to say i would like to say that one of my hot takes earlier in this year i think preseason was that if nick bolton and willie gay could get in the same field at the same time they would garner some sort of like smash brothers type nickname the media does not respect him to that point yet. That's fair. They're both still young. They're both still proving. This is still, you know, like a seven-game stretch, not a season long. But going into next year, I think you got to watch out for the thunder and lightning that is Willie Gay and Nick Bolt. Yeah, yeah, we we yeah, absolutely good take there. Yeah, we talked about it in the preseason how just imagine if Bolton. Gay, Legereus Need, Juan Thornhill hit all their strides. We have such a good young core on defense. It's it's amazing. So we look forward to that. Hopefully we see a lot of Nick Bolden. Um, when Willie Gay comes back, we'll see what their timeshare is like. But until next time for that one, Reese, let's do some quick um, panic meters. I, I want to know what is your panic meter on the list I have provided. The first one I have, the front four from Thursday night. What's your panic meter on them? After Eckler, Jackson, whoever else is on that running back core just decimated us. Uh, I would say my panic meter is probably about a six and a half, mainly because like they weren't bad. It's just, you know, suddenly there was a hole up the middle for Austin Eckler to get us for about, you know, four plus yards per carry. Uh, we weren't able to get any sacks on Justin Herbert. Really not a whole lot of pressure on him. You know, a lot of like flushing him out of the pocket, but we weren't hitting him. We weren't knocking him down. We were getting in his face. 
you know, Chris Jones, the heart and soul of that defensive line. I think it would look worse if we didn't have Ingram on there like we do now. But, you know, the Bucks going to stop with Stone Cold Jones. I've already given him a PBR apology for that. So, yeah, 6.5. Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of in that range too, maybe even lower at six because uh, I think this showed us that Chris Jones is the heart of this defense and more so that we saw no Frank Clark, we saw no Jaron Reed, we saw some Tershawn Wharton. Uh, actually, Ingram played pretty well, but the people that play next to Chris Jones, you saw that they could not eat because you didn't have someone in the middle that was being double teamed or someone that was the focus of that offensive line. So, um, so I'm not panicking, but yeah, we definitely need to see Chris Jones back, especially for this next game against the Steelers. Cause it's, it's a decent offensive line. It's not great, but I mean, it's not, uh, I don't know the Raiders. All right. Number two, our cornerbacks, uh, Traverius Ward kind of didn't have the greatest of games. He had one good one-on-one, but for the most part, it wasn't great. Didn't see a lot of Fenton. Um, I think we saw a blown play by, uh, Deandre Baker. Uh, what's your panic meter on the cornerbacks? Well, I mean, Traverius Ward is listed as questionable with flu-like symptoms before the game. So I think it was lucky that we even got him to start. Uh, you know, it wasn't, wasn't the best game he's played. He's been having a pretty good season. You know, DeAndre Baker and Mike Hughes, you know, they're both former first round players that I think, you know, we're getting we're getting good, you know, journeymen filling downs from them. They seem to have kind of tightened up the screws and are not blowing plays the way they were. But again, you know, like I said, we're missing our best cornerback in this game, Legarius Sneed, and I think it showed. And, you know, it's it's very much a ripple effect that it's not a huge talent drop off from Legarius Sneed to the other dudes, but you know, it does make you thinner at that position when you don't have your number one guy there. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. I'm still concerned about the size of our cornerbacks. Like if you think of like Trey Diggs on the uh, the uh, Dallas Cowboys, like that dude looks like a wide receiver. And that's why he's able to go up for interceptions, go up to block plays. We don't really have that Trey Diggs on our team. Like even though we have gritty guys, we have, of course, speedy cornerbacks, which is what they're featured to be. We just don't have that size. So I'm afraid that when we play the Chargers again, say in the playoffs, or we play someone like the Bucks, if the Bucks are at full health in the Super Bowl, they still have Godwin, Evans, Brown. Uh, Chargers have Guyton, uh, Allen, Williams. Um, if you think of the Packers, the Packers have Devontae Adams. Well, I guess that's kind of it. But as you can see, every playoff team is going to have a threat if not multiple threats on their team Um, so going forward as it has been a problem for me in the past this game kind of reopened some wounds for me in cornerback so hopefully the Jairus need figures or uh, mitigates those concerns but going into it now I'm concerned lastly I'll skip a couple but lastly how about the running backs Reese we only saw 30 yards each of Darrell Williams and CEH Um, are, are we concerned about this running back by committee now Eh, you know, I've said it a few times. These these running backs, particularly Clyde, seem to go as the offensive line goes. And all things considered, the offensive line didn't have their best game of the season. Uh, you know, they've been doing a good job, particularly in the interior, of opening up some rushing lanes. We just didn't see that against what was kind of a eh, blasé to mediocre defensive line for the Chargers. So that's a little upsetting. But, you know, good gracious. I think I saw Jonathan Taylor... The other night had, what was it, like four runs over 30 yards, and I think Clyde has one run over 30 yards in his career. So, you know, I, I, I think we know what we're going to expect out of those guys at this point, so I would say my panic meter is eh, four and a half. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. Maybe my penalties are a little bit higher, but I think it's great that we still saw them in the passing game and we saw them not giving up on them. Even in overtime, we saw you know a couple runs by CEH, which was which was nice to see. But unfortunately, I was hoping to see like a great continuance of this running back by committee specifically Darrell Williams like we've seen him even during the CH injury just every week he's been great this year kind of looked like he stumbled so or this week so hopefully that's mitigated again but we'll see uh ending the podcast Reese let's do predictions for next week against the Pittsburgh Steelers who are kind of on this like funky roll they're not great but they they kind of keep winning, which is weird. So we got a 7-6-1 and one Steelers. Uh, and uh, Ben Roethlisberger is still kicking, man. He's still kicking. So what is your prediction for the game? Um, you know, like you said, they, they still keep winning, but they just don't look good doing it. It feels like they're... You know when you play one of those, uh, one of those games like Guitar Hero? And like at a certain point, you're like half doing skill, half button mashing, just like trying to stay on top of it. And you suddenly have like a chain of like 15, 20 notes, but you're like, you feel like at any given moment, you're just going to like crash. That's exactly how the Steelers feel right now, dude. It's like <laughs> they're, they're about to crash at any minute. I think they have a pretty solid defense. And, you know, our offense still isn't like whirring like a machine just yet. But I still think our defense is going to have more than enough to shut down their offense. So I'm going to guess this is probably going to be like a 25-20 Chiefs. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Cool. Um, Yeah, I mean, the... The Steelers also have had a really tough schedule in the past like few games. I know you don't like when I say tough schedule because we had a tough schedule. Number one in the but, league. Like in the past like like six weeks, they had the Chargers, the Bengals, the Ravens. Then they they played the Vikings, which uh, fine. Then they had the Titans, and they have us. Then to finish the season, Browns, Ravens. Well, the Browns aren't playing well right now, but I mean, still, those are still like you know teams that can you you can lose to that team any week. You know what I mean? Um, anyway. All to say, I think we're going to win this game pretty easily. I think if Chris Jones is back, I know we have some some shaky stuff on this COVID protocol. We have Kelsey. Uh, we have Butker as well. And I think one. Oh, gosh. Yeah, Butker's on COVID list. Also, one other person I forgot that was of importance. Um, I'll have to look back. So that's obviously going to be a big indicator. Luckily, with the new COVID rules, they just need one negative test. And all of the people that are on our COVID protocol list have no symptoms, according to, I forgot, Seth Kaiser, I believe. So that's great for us. So assuming everyone is back, I think this is going to be an easy win for us, a great win for us, and a, and a, a vengeful and revengeful win for us against these freaking Steelers. How about 13, sorry, 30 to 13 Chiefs in an emphatic win and on one play that's supposed to be like like say it's like 13-13 and then um Chase Claypool does something stupid I bet I, I I bet it's like really close until Chase Claypool does like a TikTok dance that just like crushes the soul of everyone we see Mike Tomlin getting into it with Chase Claypool and then the Chiefs just steamroll them that is my hot take mondo prediction we love you Chase Claypool yeah dude Chase Claypool is going to TikTok his way to be a brewery sponsorship considering that city's so hot for craft beer I guess <laughs> 
<laughs> That's right. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, have a happy holidays. If you celebrate Christmas, Merry Christmas. And for all the holidays that you celebrate, we hope you have a great time with friends and family. Please be safe. Also, shoot us a uh, a DM on Instagram or, or on Twitter. Let us know what your holiday traditions are. Or tell us what your favorite Chase Claypool moment is. We would love to hear it and share it on social media. But until then, I'm Hot Take Mondo. This is Referees. We'll see you. Go Chiefs! We'd like to thank you for joining us today on Fountain City Sports Media. This podcast is brought to you by listener support, so consider becoming a friend of the podcast. Check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash FCSM to gain access to premium content including outtakes, bonus episodes, and exclusive beer reviews. Check out our website at fountaincitysportsmedia.com for more info on the podcast, social media, and of course, the goings-on in the beer industry. Special thanks to bands Carswell and Hope and Like a Tiger for providing our intro and outro themes. And as always, I'm Reese, and alongside my good friend Armando, we thank you for tuning in to Fountain City Sports Media. Fountain City Sports Media.